Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. We're back, baby. Yep. You know that feeling where, like, you go on vacation and, like, you come back and you just kind of appreciate what you have a little bit more? It's kind of this feeling. I miss spells. So many spells. I miss not, <laughs> I, weirdly, I miss not casting spells because I closed, like, 50 tabs to be like, okay, good, I can just focus on one thing, Living Monolith. But yeah, when we had left off, the doorkeepers of the Duot had boarded their fancy new folding boat. Mm -hmm. I believe it was called the, uh, what was the name of that thing? Did we name it? Or did the, we already have a name? La Pasu was the uh, the name of the ship. The funerary ship of the Sekpatra. You had uh, boarded aboard that and uh, made your way off, watching as the city of Wati fades into the distance. Citra looking back over the back of the ship. Falto standing dramatically, wind billowing. He waves at you. I mean, that sounds about right. Oblivious to the danger that he'll soon face. <laughs> <laughs> so he just comes up behind her, pats her on the shoulder. I'm about 99.99% sure he's going to be fine. That still leaves 0.01. Well, you have to always leave room for the inevitable. I mean, he did make it this far. We're on this boat, and I barely know how to sail, so... It's fine. We'll be Wait, fine. Wait, if all of us are talking, who's steering? <laughs> Ashme. <laughs> Don't you have driver or something? Doesn't that work on boats, Sudi? I mean, I know how to drive a chariot. That's very different from driving a boat. Like, what makes it turn? That stick a thing, rudder. I think. It's the flipper. The flipper on the back turns it. Wait, there's a flipper on the back. How do I make the flipper turn? Use it's your butt. It's a lever. Wait, is this kind of, that kind of boat? Or I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a moment where I was like, wait, wait. Sudi's never seen a, a, a sailing wheel, right? But no, there's no wheel on this. because this You used to a, live on a dock, dude. There is a there is a yeah. actual ship's wheel if you expand the ship to its full size. Currently, you're in the small sailing boat size of this and not right. the war galley size of this thing. Yeah, yeah. I just the keep river's imagining not it looking like the Moana boat. Kind of, yeah. That's yeah. One of the mm. things that I'll say is uh, if anyone has ever played Assassin's Creed Origins, the accuracy of the boats in that apparently is phenomenal. So if you've ever seen the reed boats that they have in Assassin's Creed Origins, it's like okay. The ones that you constantly steal to go down the river? Yeah, yeah no, yeah. Not, not like the ones <laughs> right. that you use in naval combat and all the rest of that, the smaller ones, yes. Okay, all right, cool. So then Sudi, I guess, grabs the, uh, the rudder and uh, says... Prayers to uh, do I follow well, for Somebody <laughs> trained with Falta. Masika trained, trained with Falta. Yeah. yeah Miss oh, good. Somebody does know how to steer. Great. I don't have ranks yet, but I, she theoretically <laughs> knows what she's doing. Also, that runs off of wisdom. Yeah. So mechanically speaking, <laughs> it wisdom. is a uh, it is a profession check. I'm not necessarily going to worry about just steering the boat down the river because with even basic knowledge of that, as long as you're not in combat. Now, if yeah. Masika attempts to do any form of combat maneuver with this ship, sharp turns or anything like that, you guys might get in trouble because the DC would be, uh, well, technically it would require her to be trained in the profession. But Which I will be when we level up so I can make these things. <laughs> yeah, but for right now, if a hippo attacks us, we did. <laughs> no, but, come on, we're, wait, we're, we're at a level we can handle a hippo. I can't remember the name of it because there is a, uh, I think they're gargantuan sized hippos. Oh, good Mega gravy. hippo. Yeah, they're basically mega hippos um, that they stand out somewhere. They're pretty great. No, thank you. 
I suppose to recap for our audience, however, since uh, it has been a couple of weeks since you have engaged in the adventures of the Doorkeepers. When last we had left our heroes, the Doorkeepers had teleported to the city of Wati, which was being attacked by a flying pyramid under the command of Hakatep Ant Istkhemhebet, who had rained fire down from the sky and demanded all of your surrender. You had then gone delving into her tomb, had battled against her mummified harpy guardians, her mummified gorgon. She was really into uh, stone. I was going to say, she loved a good yep. petrification. Petrification, yeah. she had a thing. Uh, do unto others, right? Mm. Before they can do unto you. You had, however, defeated Istakim Habet, realizing too late that that would bring down the flying pyramid, which crashed into the city of Wati. You then recovered and continued your planned quest, which was to seek out the slave trenches of Hakatep, which you had learned from Hakatep's previous architect, the famed architect Chisisek, was actually a weapon by the name of the Kepsutanum, one capable of dragging flying cities down from the sky. We have such complicated instructions for when yes. we're yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, we, we theoretically know how to do this, but just theoretically. Yes, Chisisek had given you very, very complicated directions on how to bring this thing down. I don't think Chisisek knows how to give uncomplicated directions. It's not that he doesn't know how to give uncomplicated directions. It's that he assumes that everyone else is operating on the same functional level as he is. So That was your first mistake. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of the same as like if Jordan tried to explain programming to me or if Rachel and Heather tried to explain radiology tech to Jordan or unless you're really making it simplified, which Chisek does not know how to do. I was, was going to say, you do that thing where you try to like basically like explain it as if the person is about 12 years old. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. that's like the best way to like get it across. The problem is Chisek was also fighting against the duration of that spell, which would not yeah. allow him out of time to explain this extraordinarily simply. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the party... I was going to say, we don't, he didn't have time to like give us a little guest lecture. Yep. <laughs> the party aborted their funerary barge to make their way out along the Crook River to head down to the slave trenches of Hakatep. Just sounds like such a pleasant place for us to visit, doesn't Did it? Did we get to sleep? Did we slept, right? We left for fresh in the morning. We should, yeah, 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 everybody should be full. Cool. It is a journey of perhaps some um, 300 miles. Although traveling along the river, and especially because of the uh, the magical nature of the ship that you're traveling with, you believe that you could make it there in probably six days or a week. It's not bad. Considering we are going upriver, correct? Yes. Yeah, that's not bad at all. I will prepare Mage's Magnificent Mansion so we can sleep in style every night. So, all of you are here aboard the ship. Citra, I imagine, sitting comfortably off towards the side, maybe sketchbook in hand, drawing small sketches as the, uh, the ship makes its way along the rather placid Crook River. While in your mind, the Crook River always travels south, because again, Citra grew up in On, which is actually along the Sphinx River. The Sphinx and the, uh, Asp, or the Crook and the Asp River joining at Wati and then becoming the Sphinx River as it makes its way north. In your mind, such are these, this river, much as in Sudi's mind, this river has always traveled south. Because from the perspective of Wati, that's where it travels. However, a short distance past Wati, it quickly curves and begins traveling west. Which is most of the direction you're traveling for the morning. Basically, with the sun at your back, the winds blowing in from the east, pushing you along as you make your way. Occasionally, hearing the sound of a Masika shouting out to people to 
get the heck out of the way, um, since she doesn't really know how to steer this vessel particularly <laughs> well. And there are various fishing barges that have all left from the, the makeshift barge town that forms every morning in Boati, or every evening in Boati, and then breaks up to scatter across the river and begin fishing. Sorry, sorry, my bad, whoops. We, we put Sudi on the front to be like, we don't really know what we're doing, please stay clear. You know, it's probably not a good idea to tell everyone we don't know what we're doing. We can just say, hey, we have a malfunction. Hey, we have a malfunction, please get out of the way. Masika, I imagine you steer the vessel to the best of your ability. Yes. Uh, probably more than any of your compatriots, especially considering your adventures up until this point. Again, the party met you in the Parched Dunes. You spent, uh, uh, metagame speaking, two entire books traveling around the Parched Dunes, basically mm -hmm. book of the half with these people, teleported up to Sothis, made your way back to Wati. You don't get to be on the river much. So I imagine for Masika, it's a lot of sitting by the, the end of the ship, one hand on the rudder, the other hand dipped over the back of the ship, just feeling the waves between your fingertips. Masika does like the water. Yeah, it's your kind of whole stick. Which is why your people living in the desert is especially ironic. <laughs> she grew up near an oasis. I mean, it's true. Narmer on the uh, the front bow of the ship, leaning out with his flippers spread wide. <laughs> king of the world. <laughs> I can I'm fly. King of the world. <laughs> nice. You can fly. Our king of the world. <laughs> hey, Shitra, Shitra. Yes, Narmer. Draw me like one of your French girls. What is a French? <laughs> Draw me like one of your fish girls. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but that? I'll draw something. It's just an armor, but he's a mermaid. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> a merman. Hollis, I imagine you find a place that's uh, that's mostly out of the the direct sunlight. I put my hat over my face and I nap. Put your hat over your face, nap. Your chicken kind of clucks, makes makes her way back and forth, settles in. Feel the gentle rocking of the uh, the river. Occasionally take some time out to, to grab your spell book and kind of consider your preparations, what spells you have. Sudi, again, you try to make yourself as comfortable as possible. Probably try to help out Masika as much as possible, because I think you're the next highest wisdom in this party. I got a 20. Yeah, the mask helps. Yep, it's all mask. Try your best to ignore that disconcerting feeling that you're heading in the right direction and something about the fact that almost like a lodestone the mask seems to pull you that way is a little uncomfortable yeah that's bad it's almost like it's almost like there's too much momentum pulling you forward that you don't feel 100 percent in control if you start stroking the mask and calling it my precious <laughs> citra is gonna rip it off your head just let me know I know, I've got that thing where I'm just like, oh no, is it finally, like, book five is finally when the mask starts, like, controlling me? Mm -hmm. Is it just playing the long con? I would be so vindicated if it did that, but I don't think it will. I really hope not. I like Sudi. Look at a save, probably. If probably. <laughs> <laughs> yes, make this DC 45 check, you know. Uh, who here has uh, knowledge geography? I have that. I do, a little nope. bit. I shall enlist Sugar's aid. No, you can take 10 right now. There's nothing threatening you. Oh, cool. Then I will do that. I will not. Um, I get a 29. Taking 10. Mm -hmm. I got a 7 for an 11. So, Hollis, you course, you plot out the best course that you can with your knowledge of Southern Osirian, which is extensive. 
Uh, even if you're occasionally like, I'm pretty sure that this is accurate. I really haven't been around in these parts for like 15 years. I kind but of draw a little sure map and hand it over and then go back to my nap. Don't we just have to follow the river? Well, yeah, but as far as like what turns and such you should anticipate as you're making your way down the river. Also, there are some very small tributaries that feed into the river. Mm. I mean, and also technically, I think we can just run across the desert if we really knew where we were going. For anyone that's ever played Breath of the Wild and not used location markers, just running in a straight yeah, line like will oftentimes send you idea. flying off God knows where. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason that there's, you know, navigation skill involved. Hollis, you're aware that the Kirk River is a placid river. It flows at a steady but sluggish pace, making its way down from the, uh, the foothills of the barrier wall mountains far off towards the west. It travels for the better part of some 200 miles. And so you're well aware that you have a long journey ahead of you. Mm. As the hours pass by, the sun reaches its zenith, begins to make its way crawling into the western sky as you start to sail towards the sun in the distance. You travel along a placid and peaceful expanse. Off towards your right and left are the floodplains. Black soil now thick with life and vegetation growing along the banks of the river. You pass by numerous small towns and villages. So small, in fact, that they could not be put on a map. So small, in fact, that they might honestly only be one or two or three families living here. These people watch all of you go by with some curiosity, in large part just because, one, it's a very fancy ship that you're selling in comparison to the average fishing barge and such that makes their way to and for. Two, traveling along the river, traveling upriver, is somewhat uncommon for anything that is not military, as really the only destination in this direction is Apek, the fortress city that guards Osirian's southern borders. For the most part, your journey is simple and quiet. You watch some grazing animals make their way down to the river. You can see the various birds that perch along the riverbanks, fishing for small fish in the shallows, occasionally fleeing from their lives as a crocodile bursts from the water's surface and attempts to consume one of them. Sometimes successfully, sometimes not. Occasionally, the, uh, the small eyes and large nose of a hippopotamus will breach the surface as they paddle along from one side of the river to the other. Watch you curiously. Tiny little birds on top of them watching you curiously before continuing to do their symbiotic relationship of uh, eating small, I think it's some sort of lice that they eat off of hippopotami. Hmm. Been a while since I've watched a nature documentary on it. The hours trick by, and eventually after almost a full day of selling Masika, you can see the sun reaching the further horizon. From here, you can almost make out this distant line that you imagine is the beginning of the parched dunes that makes up the horizon. You begin to approach the bend in the river where it turns south to make its way closer to Ipec. Eventually though, I imagine you make your way, sail up the river. Probably Masika doing what she can to beach the craft before realizing that, no oh, wait, it's a magical dune boat. And it just keeps <laughs> going as you crest over the edge of the, the embankment and begin to sail off in the desert uh, before finally dropping the sails, throwing an anchor over the side and dragging yourselves to a halt. A nearby jackal watches you curiously having begun you know, sun setting, it's time for my nightly routine. But of course, like most actual wild animals in real life, they're not really that interested in dealing with you unless you're actually threatening them. All right, y'all, it's time for the mansion. 
Are you ready? And I kind of dig and in my pocket. And we take the boat into the mansion? We can fold it up, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, I guess. <laughs> I pull out a little tiny ivory door and a marble and a spoon, a tiny silver spoon, and I cast my spell. That is the weirdest assortment of spell components I've ever seen. Those are, that, you know, that's what it requires. Uh, I hope the eh, door whatever. gets bigger. It's going to be very difficult to walk through. You're going to see. The door, get, like, I cast a spell and the ivory door grows to, like, what is it supposed to be? Four by eight or something? Like, all right, in. I open the door. That's always the thing with spell casting is most people forget about the, like... The weird esoteric components. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like... Hollis decides to turn herself invisible, so she has to take out some wax gum and put an eyelash in it and then mash it all up to be consumed as the material component to turn herself invisible. Like, people always overlook the... People remember the bat guano for fireball, but not much else. <laughs> the little metal rod you have to pull out for a lightning bolt. Yeah, well, yep. this one actually costs money. It's like 15 gold for all of those focuses, so... Yeah, I mean, they're not consumed because they're focuses, but yeah. yes. But anyway, you open the okay. door. Um, it comes with a staff of servants who all look like chess pieces. Wait, really? Oh, okay, that's weird. And it's essentially very... I thought they were invisible, too. No, they are um, near transparent. So little ghostly servants. And the floor plan is very, like, confusing library-esque, kind of quantum-like, where it has random little nooks and crannies and towers and strange passages that go places. But the cool thing is we can have a nine-course banquet for up to a dozen people per caster level. So Dang. we have great dinner. Doesn't this just seem a little... Much? I don't know. Extravagant, yes. Well, you know, I get all the space. I might as well put books in it. <laughs> Having lived uh, briefly, not necessarily on the street, but pretty close to it, I'm going to go enjoy the banquet. You guys can complain, but I'm going to enjoy the blank banquet. Oh, banquet. Yes. Where's the bedrooms in all this place? I just see a bunch of books. What's wrong with sleeping outside? That's where they get you. Yeah, because Masika's slept outside or in tents pretty much her entire life. Yeah, so it, it seems like <laughs> yeah. it would be uh, four. Yeah, so basically it'd be four 30 foot by 30 foot rooms because it's three Dang. 10 foot cubes per caster level. So. It's just a big circle. So he could keep going right and just go in yeah. the circle. <laughs> You'll eventually get somewhere because right is the, or you can go left, I guess, technically. So how many square feet is this mansion? As, assuming assuming that the rooms are 10 foot by 10 foot by 10 foot, um, then there could be 29 rooms. Yeah, but each room is only 10 that, foot at a side. So some of them would be bigger than others. That's big. a lot. Big and circular. So anyway. But you can kind of make it look however you want. And you can, it's, it's fresh, clean, and warm. Yep. Um, there's a big foyer. So while we're here, what does the outside look like? Like, do I need to go guard the door? No, this is an extra dimensional space and only people that I designate can come inside. And otherwise it kind of looks like a shimmery, I don't even know if it's a visible door once I enter. Actually, no, it, it is It specifically states it's invisible. Although anything that could see invisibility would be able to detect the door. But yeah, yes. so the door's there, but it's invisible. So most people don't see it. So we're safe. Anyway, so okay. yeah, I imagine you guys uh, eat for the evening. Settle down. Nom, nom, nom. Rest up. One of the rooms is entirely Rest for up. sugar. <laughs> Just filled with pillows. Yeah. Narmer's going to get in so much trouble. <laughs> I mean, I assume this isn't permanent, right? Oh, God, I broke all your memory books. I hope that doesn't destroy the memories. <laughs> but this goes away, right? So, like, I mean, we can't really do anything here without it. Because it's not permanent. Yeah, I essentially build it fresh every time. Yeah. So go nuts. 
Yeah, because it's it's a, a lavishly appointed and such. I'm not sure if the books would actually even be legible because I think I it's imagine just the books background. have like either really blurry or they're all blank. Oh, it's like that Batman episode mm. where he's dreaming, but he can't read anything because he's yeah. dreaming. God, That's that was a good episode. Yeah. So yeah, you all settle in, rest up. I imagine uh, awaken the next day, set out fresh, step outside, board your ship, continue to make your way along. Awesome. Best spell ever. It's a half day's journey as you set out from the bend in the Crook River till you begin to approach towards your first destination. The river begins flowing south, maybe a half dozen miles from where you'd camped. The first thing that you note in the distance is smoke. The small amount of chimney smoke that you'd expect from foundry or forges. And as you approach closer, you begin to make your way up towards the large city of Apec. The Crook River runs along the west, kind of the northwestern portion of the city. Apec is a large city a short distance away from the only bridge that crosses the Crook River. You pass under the bridge, the so-called Kopesh Span, which is a large stone bridge built some almost 7,000 years ago and standing still as the only means by which to cross the, the only bridge by which to cross the Crook River. There are some shallows where you can ford your way across, but those are actually guarded by the city of Apec. You pass under the simple Kopesh span and begin to approach towards the city itself. Apec is large. It boasts a population pretty close to that of Tefus, making it the third largest city in Southern Osirian. The entirety of the city is built in a very bizarre manner as you begin to approach closer towards it. I'm not entirely positive if you plan on stopping here, attempting to gather some information and such. I don't think we need to. We pretty much... Yeah, I feel like we know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. The city is magnificent in size, with massive walls that surround every portion of it, and two what honestly look to be almost artificially constructed hills in the center of the... in the two sides of the city, giving it a shape somewhat akin to a heart, as in, like, the drawing of a heart and not, like, an actual human heart. Mm. Each one of these hills boasts a fortified palace or fortress atop it and overlook the surrounding area, providing the pharaohs of the past as well as the pharaoh now an incredibly fortified place by which to defend the southern passes. All of you are at least somewhat aware that Apec is not a city naturally formed. And in fact, the legends surrounding it are that it was created in a single day. Every wall, every stone, every building of the entirety of the city, wished into existence. Oh, ah, wished wish into magic. existence, interesting. It is the great protector of the southern portion of Osirian. You pass by its crowded docks, noting various galleys 10 to 20 times the size of your own smaller ship, although they're primarily river galleys with shallow bottoms designed to transport troops to and from one portion of Osirian or another as necessary. Anything out in the deserts, no one really cares about because the deserts make a natural barrier to any form of invasion or army. You pass by this bastion of civilization as you continue to make your way south. The journey ticks on for the rest of the day as you navigate following along the edge of the river. In the distance now, 
as you continue along for the rest of the day, you can still see along the banks of the river, the various fields uh, here are growing as much cotton as they actually do various grains. However, along the southern horizon, you can see the growing mountains that form the Brazen Peaks. This mountain range stretches from east to west, in essence, forming the natural barrier between the southern portions of Osirian and the nation of Katapesh beyond. From here, you can see the various mountain ranges stretching up towards the sky, although before you can get close enough to even make out any of the major river or any of the major features of the mountains, you once again stop as the sun sets. I imagine rest and then continue on the next day. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. You awaken the next day and continue along, following the river as it presses onwards and onwards. Passing by various numerous ships, the Brazen Peaks becoming larger and larger along the horizon, as you can see them far in the distance. Here and there, you now pass by not just fishing villages and farming villages, but the occasional actual dock, seemingly built up out of nowhere along with the single stone structure. From there, you can see roads leading their way south and realize that these must be, in essence, the depositories, the, the drop-off points where ships are loaded from the various copper and tin mines of the Brazen Peaks. Occasionally, you see soldiers standing in these watchtowers watching all of you with some curiosity. Again, traveling this far up the river is uncommon for most. As you travel along, you can see the strange comers and goers this far south. Less strange are the dwarves, shaved of head and face. The various dwarves, the quote-unquote desert dwarves of southern Osirian, who both mine the mountains as well as guard many of its ancient burial places. As some of the pharaohs of old, particularly when this was not the border of Osirian, but almost the heart of Osirian, when Osirian stretched all the way and claimed everything that was Katapesh to the south, constructed their massive temple complexes into the mountains itself. Occasionally, you do see small campfires that by the time you approach closer look to be abandoned and realize that these are probably raiders or slavers, somewhat more common along the Brazen Peaks, particularly those of the Knoll tribes that live in and around Pell Mountain. Eventually, you stop again, not too far from a small collection of farming villages. The farmers, as they watch you make your way by, some of them stop and wave, some of them eye you suspiciously. <laughs> if you stop and wish to, uh, to purchase any fish or talk to them, you're more than welcome to. We got They're generally ma nice Mage's people. Magnificent Mansion food, man. Yeah, we also got a lot to do. All right. You rest up, continue, and make your way along. You're all aware that by before the end of this day, you should reach the Oxjaw Falls. Are we sure now that he has said that cryptic thing that we didn't want to he stop and talk now. to the farmers? You guys have already decided not to stop, so moving I on. I thought people didn't know anything about this place anyway because a giant thing killed them every time they got nearby, so... Yeah, it's more, would they have any stories being closer to it about what it is? Who knows? Didn't we figure out what it was? We have an idea. Ah. You travel for some distance further before far up ahead you can steadily hear the growing thunderous sound of water. Oh, I think there's some falls. Oh, God! Well, Norma we can go yells. sand. <laughs> Depends on, I mean, how steep the cliff is. Approaching closer towards the waterfall, you, of course, don't have to worry about going over the waterfall. Uh, as again, you're going upriver, which means that you're actually approaching the base of the waterfall, not the top All of right. it. Oh, <laughs> uh, wait. 
The Oxjaw Falls are not impressive. Uh, they're only about 40 feet high. More than enough to stop any ship from possibly sailing down from there or sailing up the river from here. But they fall in this large cataract. However, it is beautiful, even if they are not impressive in size. The water has worn the surrounding red and orange stone down to almost give it this perpetual look like a waterfall of fire as the moisture clings to the surrounding stones and gives it this undulating, almost bizarrely unnaturally smooth appearance. The water crashes down from, a, from above and creates this incredibly moist and verdant pocket here in the valley of the Crook River. As the sediment builds up here and you can see trees sprouting in every direction, greenery spreads about. A number of goats kind of watch you curiously, perhaps even more curiously considering that you've gone past where most fishermen even stop, uh, as well as any of the local farmland stops before it gets closer. You see a number of figures watching you curiously as you approach. These figures are not fishermen or farmers. Well, or not in the traditional sense of Osirian fishermen and farmers that you've seen. Uh, and that all of them are between five and a half feet and six and a half foot tall lizards. Oh, cool. Hmm. The lizard people watch you somewhat curiously. Uh, all of their skin coloration is a kind of a deep tan with brown and darker black streaks to them, much like you'd expect to see on a desert monitor. Cool. Unlike many common lizard folk further to the south, they don't possess large frills, but instead just have a simple malted, almost more streamlined or sleek design. I don't suppose they're friendly. I don't know unless we ask them. As you begin to approach the falls, one of them breaks free from the rest of the group, makes his way forward. The man wears a simple robe and cloth headdress covering, providing some protection from the sun. He is dressed much like an Osirian man, with bracers and bangles across his forearms and upper arms. The man steps forward, extends his hands to either side. You are far away from the rest of your people, friends. And have farther to go. He addresses all of you in Osiriani. Oh, nice. Further yet, there is nothing past this point but death. Yeah, we're seeking so that out. So we've been told. I will not impede your progress. We have instructions. What kind of death you think about when you think about what's past here? Um, I, okay. Not you. <laughs> East from here where you came, there is life. South, the great Pell Mountain, the beasts in its foothills, the knolls that would enslave you. North from here is the great parched desert. It is a hundred miles or more before there's a single spring of water. West from here are the barrier mountains, Zhang and the Coal Pass. That is the only way to safety. Beyond that, hmm. Well, the lizardman brings up one claw and kind of just scratches at the scales under his chin. Is that where you are going? South, through the coal pass. Uh, I don't think we're going quite that far. We're not going to hit the mountains. Do you... Are, are we okay asking him about the slave trenches before I move I mean, I get, can we get a read on him? Like, what what, what the heck is he doing out here? Yeah, can I sense motive? They probably just they live by the motive, falls. Uh, not a great roll. Uh... Seven for a 24. I roll an eight for a 21. I roll an eight for a 17. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it just seems to be kind of polite. If anything, you'd get the feeling that he is nervous because all of you are of the adventuring ilk that usually view lizard oh. people as monsters to murder. All right. Well, uh, 
We're actually heading... I I'm assuming y'all are from around here. Is that right? I imagine you're from around here, so you might know a little bit of the local uh, tapestry. The name of my people cannot be easily translated into your your tongue. Your people call us the Oxjaw tribe. Oh, Oxjaw Falls. That makes sense. He shrugs. We only wish to live here in peace oh. and worship our gods. Right. We're not here to stop you from doing any of that. We're heading to the... Well, I mean, we call them the slave trenches of Hakatep, but, I mean, y'all might have a different name for them. Mm. You're heading to the furrows. Hmm. We are aware of them. None go that way. You heard anything about them? Is there a reason no one goes there? There's a great spirit of the earth. All right, earth spirit. He is... The man pauses for a moment as if searching for the right word, not from a lack of mastery of the Osirian language. He seems to have no issue with your language. Almost as if trying to find the right word for it. He is a man of nature. He is peaceful and respectful to those who respect his wishes. The elders of my tribe have treated with him in the past. He is kind to those who are respectful to him, to those who trespass. He is death. What are his wishes? His wishes are simple. The man pauses and kind of looks back in the direction that you came from. Would you wish to join us here? You have probably traveled for some time and may wish to rest before you continue. We could talk more comfortably. He glances up towards the sky above, out of the sun. Sidijit would nod. My people will guard your ship. Oh, no need. You, like, pop it and clip it up into a little foldable suitcase, Jetson style? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Jetson style. It's know. a little cube now. It folds up into a little box. The man narrows his eyes, nods, still warily looking over the obvious foreigner that is Hollis. Um, <laughs> the all of the weapons over, you know, two of the you know, other four companions. Honestly, only Sudi does he seem to be somewhat comfortable with. Woo! And maybe that's just because you're not human and or human adjacent. Mm, mm. Fair. Please, follow. Narva, be on your best behavior. Okay. I haven't asked you any questions yet. Good. In large part because it's difficult to play two NPCs at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> the man leads you forward. I am Vesca amongst my people. You may call me Garrett. Nice to meet you, Garrett. I'm Hollis. This is Citra. We got Sudi and Masika and Narma. And Sugar, the chicken. He doesn't understand me. I know. He leads you in past a number of his people who watch you all curiously. Again, there isn't any hostility here, so much as a certain degree of fear about a small group of well-armed individuals. We do a lot of hat tipping. Masika waves. A few of the, uh, the tribe's people here guard one of the nearby cave entrances, although you're not taking anywhere in that direction. And a few substantially smaller lizard people, which you easily identify as adolescent lizard people and not kobolds, <laughs> uh, make their way about watching all of you somewhat curiously. Garrod looks about, nods. We live a simple life here. He takes you into the shade of some trees. A large flat stone here has been carved over the years to form a simple table. And on a cool bed of moss, you settle down and are brought some, well, grain stuff as well as fish. The man leans against the table, props his elbows on it. The guardian of the trenches is not a danger to those who respect him. 
But if you wish to enter the trenches, he will kill you. Hmm. Well, that is something we're going to have to deal with. That's real unfortunate. Do you know how he kills people? No. He is not a man. Although he looks like a man. Didn't we think he was some sort of genie? I think we think he's a shaitan. Yeah. yeah, you believe that he's possibly some sort of genie. He has a sword of incredible beauty. And according to legends, wields it with great skill. Mm. Do you know his name? He pauses for a moment, seems to think. Not in a remembering sort of way. More in a kind of sizing up all of you. No. Oh. He introduced himself to our people as Tef Naju. If one is respectful of the spirits of earth and sky, he will treat with them. There's, like, no one has ever been able to convince him to let them into the trenches? He is often polite. I understand that some have approached him, asked to be able to look at the site, and he allows it. But what he deems as a violation of the site, I do not know. Perhaps observing it is fine, but entering the tombs within is forbidden. I'm sure what we have to do is going to be considered violating. Probably. The man narrows his eyes. I would not risk his wrath. Or the wrath of the other creatures that lie within. Well, the problem is, is that if we don't risk the wrath, then pretty much everyone on Osirian is doomed. And beyond that, it's complicated. You guys haven't seen a flying pyramid around here, have you? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Have you seen a flying pyramid? <laughs> There's several. 16 or 15? 15? 15 now. Or no, 16 left. There were 17? I don't know. I don't remember. There's 15 or 16. I know nothing of what you speak. Ah. Well, I will keep an eye on the sky. This is a sacred place. I would still keep an eye on the sky. And here, earth and sky respect one another's territories. If you say so... Just like the undead guy <laughs> flying around a pyramid probably doesn't care. <laughs> but Hollis isn't going to say that. When you've been treated with him, have you traded anything? Has he perhaps given you something in exchange for something else? He looks towards Sudi, shakes his head. From what I understand, the ancient warrior wants for nothing. He has refused any offerings of food when we have given them as a sign of respect. Hmm. Saying that he does not eat. He has refused any offerings of comfort when we have given them to him, saying that he does not require comfort. Mm. He sometimes asks questions. Such as? I feel that he is a curious sort. Mm. Perhaps he scratches his chin again, perhaps even lonely. Our storytellers, our keepers, travel and speak to him at times. He seems to enjoy their company. I do not believe he has left. If he indeed he even can leave, and likes to know much of the world beyond. Mm, this sounds somewhat similar to the other Shaitan that we encountered. If he's homesick, we might be able to help him with that. Oh, and also I apologize, I do believe I said he had a blade of great beauty. Um, it's actually an axe of great beauty. Ooh, but. Rad. Card swan, is this you? No, JK. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong AP. That's assuming that what he is bound under does not allow him to allow people to get close enough that he could be freed. Well, if he lets people sit and talk to him, that's pretty close. I mean, we have magics that could potentially free him, I think. Mm -hmm. 
That's a question for Hollis and Masika. I mean, it depends yeah. on how he was bound, what the terms are. Yeah, our previous attempts to, like, do things against that stuff has been kind of eh. Yes. I don't know. I say it worked pretty dang well in the Sightless Sphinx. It might be worth at least speaking with him first and seeing if there's a peaceful resolution to this. Mm. I'm, from the sound of it, it doesn't sound like he is overtly hostile. So I don't think that we need to treat him as such. Yes, and I don't think we should be deceptive either. If we go in there and say, oh, we just want to observe, and then we go walk into a tomb, I think that would be worse. Well, he's been no. trapped here for however long, which is a long time, even for creatures who don't feel time like we do, but I imagine he probably doesn't love being stuck here. So that is a possible bartering, you know, option that we have. Mm -hmm. Regardless, I would, if possible, prefer that we release him from his servitude. If he wants to be released. Yeah. The, yeah he won't know until we talk to him. The mention of feeling that he's a little lonely makes me think that he may not fully enjoy being there. It is possible you may be able to speak with him. It is... The man rubs at his chin. It is impossible that you will evade his notice. Hmm. Well, we're not looking to evade him, so I guess that's easy enough. If you wish to speak with him, he will approach you first. His voice comes up from the earth and settles from your heels into your mind. He speaks hmm. the languages of the wind, the fire, the earth, and the water. Crud. Oh, I've got that covered. I don't have Terran yet, so... Masika yep, speaks Aquan, which is yeah. water. No, I mean, he basically said they speak. he speaks any elemental language, so... Yeah. Sounds like Masika. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, if Hakatep or Chisisek bound him, I don't know if we'll be able to overcome their magic to dismiss him. I mean, we won't know unless we try. Isn't banishment... Sorry, this is out of character. Isn't banishment just like a fortitude save or something? A will save from him? Uh, yeah, but if he can plane shift and he's still under the effects of the binding, he'd have to plane shift back to the material plane and then return back. You might buy yourself time, depending on yeah, how long that takes. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a delay tactic. You need to actually break the binding. Yeah, but if there's some sort of spell that's actually bound him to it, yeah, we can, you I know, I mean, again, you're just assuming yeah. there's even a spell. Yeah, we don't so, know. He yeah. might just love him. If you would like, we could offer you a place to stay here. But you have a long journey ahead of you. Yeah, I think we'll probably keep moving. But thank you for the offer. I can lead you to the stairs if you wish. That would be most helpful. You finish up your fish. It's really good. Um, mm. Stand up, follow the man. He leads you to a set of steps carved into the face of the cliff face, almost invisible from the ground level because of the way that both the wall off towards one side as well as the, uh, in essence, the drop off towards your right has a small lip to it, obscuring with the waving motions of the surrounding the natural striations in the surrounding stone, any of the stairs ascending up. It is a treacherous ascent, uh, in so much as these stairs are rather steep and moist and moss-covered. Oh, great. <laughs> However, if you take your time, um, you know, your guide would be able to lead you up with very little issue. Uh, apparently, the steps are somewhat shallow in large part because of the, you know, most of the lizard folk walk on, in essence, their toes all of the time. If you've ever seen any like the lizard folk artwork with the reverse jointed yeah. legs and everything, that they're basically wa walking on toes at all times, so they don't need particularly uh, wide steps. The man leads you up to the top of the cliff face. The sound of the waterfall pounding off towards one side as it pours down in the cataracts below. A number of the other uh, the other members of his tribe 
some of them full-grown adults spearfishing before the any of the fish basically fall over the edge of the river here to drop down below. Uh, small children playing in the shallow pools of water that are formed by the spray coming up from the waterfall watch you curiously. As you reach the top here, you see that the verdant oasis that you're in steadily falls away as it makes its way forward, and that beyond the Oxjaw Falls, the land is not cultivated as it has been up until this point. The black sediment along the river banks off towards your right and left is left to grow wild and seems to stretch away into the distance. It seems we've truly found the edge of civilization. Mm-hmm. It depends on how you define civilization. I wish you well. You have been more polite than most. Thank you for your help and for the pieces of advice you could give us. If a storm comes, be wary. That is when the great bird hunts. The great bird. Great bird. What kind of bird? It is an eagle, although its wings are wider than the river. Lightning streaks from its eyes and its beak. Thunderbird. It is a thunderbird. And it consumes all that which it wishes to. Hmm. Although rumor holds that it may riddle with you. All right. We have experience with that. Crazy eagle sphinx? Maybe it's just a thunderbird that likes riddles because it lives in Osirian. Yeah, it's just a Who doesn't love a good riddle in Osirian? (laughs) Our Mystica makes her way past where they're doing their fishing, not to get in their way, and plunks the boat back down. <laughs> you have to drag Narmer along because he immediately wants to go over there and like play in the the shallow pool with all the kids. Narmer, we don't ah. have time. Oh, okay, guys. Afterward, on the way back, maybe. I want to show off my scorpion. <laughs> I'm sure they've seen scorpions before. That's true, but I painted a little like stripes on them now. What? Painted He's got a what? racing stripe. Yep. You did use, like, safe paint, yes? How how safe are your paints? My paints are safe. Okay. (laughs) When did you get into my paints? You didn't use the magic ones, did you? I'm going to go back in my bag now. She (laughs) actually And that's why you got to get yourself a guard, chicken. (laughs) Did you hear that, Stinger? You just have to absorb the magic pigments. He then climbs in. Did, Did you use the magic paint? I don't know. I just use whatever. I can't detect magic. <laughs> what I look like, some sort of elf. <laughs> yeah. Double meaning. Anyway. Uh, but, <laughs> yep, I guess we continue on our way. You managed a short travel from here, following along. Uh, you're forced to rest again before too much longer. Awaken the following day. Continue setting off. Eventually, farther to the south, you note the the brazen peaks, as now you're almost in the foothills of the peaks themselves. Next day. Mm-hmm. Yes. From here, as you continue past, you pass basically the uh, the last point of any settlement in this region, which is a small fortress built on the southern side of the river in a style distinctively old Assyriani, despite the fact that the fortress is well-maintained and upkept. Hmm. From here, you can see the stout, broad figures of the Pomet dwarves guarding this well, for lack of a better point, this bastion Wait. and the road that lies beyond that, which you believe leads to the dwarven settlement of Otet. From what you understand, it is perhaps the largest Pomet settlement in all of Osirian. Is that where our friend went? I was just about to ask yep. that. Oh, hey, side quest. Oh, we make a middle, uh, mental note to go check in on him after this. Uh, and by largest, uh, it's uh, maybe a population of about 2,000 dwarves. Hmm. They're not a very populous hmm. people. The dwarves eye you all as you make your way past. 
almost seemingly more relieved that you're not actually, that they're not forced to grudgingly accept you coming to their place and instead just passing them by, as you get the feeling that they're more interested in not having visitors. <laughs> but you guess this place is here to facilitate any visitors that may come by. Oh, yeah, because they're actual, like, homes Mining and things are probably, well, they're probably up in the hills. Yeah, this is more or less just a bastion where you can stop by. Uh, it looks like it has a small bazaar, although from here you can tell that, yeah, there's not much to it. Hmm. I mean, to be fair, look how far you had have to come to trade with them. So you have to <laughs> really need what they've got. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it says something with the fact that they actually have to have this trading port point because, again, even in Osirian, dwarven forged weapons and armor. Masika's yep. been here with her dad before. Yeah, you, Masika had been here previously. That's why she speaks Dwarven, because she used to come and trade with the dwarves. Mm-hmm. Spiffy. From there, you continue on. It's the better part of the uh, the rest of that day that you pass before you begin to see on the southern horizon the looming peaks, the mountain range for Mount Osiki, as well as the nearby bizarre Hell Mountain, a mountain that, unlike all of the other surrounding rocks, is slightly paler. A softer shade approaching closer to that of a dark ash than the surrounding granite. All of you know from the ancient legends of the place that Pell Mountain is a horrifying haunted place and should not be interfered with. Y'all y'all want to do a side trip later? <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. For those of you who've read the back matter on a certain adventure path, you're fairly well aware of what terrors lie underneath Pell Mountain. Yup. Mm -hmm. You continue to make your way along the next day. You travel through the rest of this day as you begin to leave behind you the Brazen Peaks and instead begin to approach towards the Barrier Wall Mountains. The Barrier Wall Mountains are extensive. In fact, they're the most extensive mountain range in Northern Garoon. Basically, where the Brazen Peaks end, the Barrier Wall Mountains begin and split off all of Northern Garoon, the lands of Rahadum and Thuvia and such from the Southern portions of Garoon, so the Mwangi Expanse, as well as the Soddenlands. All of those are divided by the massive barrier wall mountains. More or less, it, base, it forms a barrier that splits the, the wetlands from the south and then keeps any of the moisture from getting over the barrier wall mountains and therefore forms all the deserts that make up the northern portion of Garoon. Great. You travel for the rest of this day, camp for the evening, rest up, recuperate, set out again, after, I believe, uh, now that it have been six days of travel, I believe? It's, uh, yeah, well, we just passed another day, so it's the 18th. Overland travel and the tour of the southern Osirian. You wake up the following day, set off, and eventually reach the point where the river continues to make its way up towards the Barrier Wall Mountains. But based on Hollis's estimation of where you've been traveling up until this point, now is where you actually have to break off and head south to find the slave trenches of Hawketep. Good thing we got a boat, land boat. Turning off of the river, popping up over the, uh, or basically tearing through the, the foliage on the side of the river, still growing in the floodplains on either side, sending ibises flying in every direction, panicking. Dramatically. Various field mice. A snake leaps out of the water. Scorpions <laughs> aplenty. A mound of scorpions explodes in front of you. <laughs> you set off into the desert. The journey south is Fortunately, uneventful for the rest of this day. Watching as the land passes by you, every once in a while you again still see signs of some habitation, or at the very least ruins from habitations that have been here previous. 
Although as the day drags on, you get further and further away from anything that would be considered habitable land. Considering that the speed at which this boat moves means that you're covering two to two and a half as much distance every hour on this boat than you could on a camel. And so you quickly veer off and begin setting off into the less trodden, far off the beaten path portions of the uh, southern Osirian, the Badlands here. You rest again that evening, knowing that the following day you should arrive at the slave trenches of Hakatep. I guess magic people prepare your planar magical... That's what I'm doing. ...stuff and things. Awakening the following day, you set out. Masika, you guide the ship across the open desert. I can't remember. Does Sudi or Citra have the higher perception? I've got a 23. Yeah, because he's got the mask, which gives him a boost. Sudi, with your eagle eye, you're the first to spot the change ahead. It's nothing large. It's nothing dramatic. To be perfectly honest, if you were just riding along, you'd notice it, but it wouldn't draw your attention. But since you're looking for it, you see the first line rising up out of the sand. A very distant obelisk. As you begin to approach closer towards your destination, you see another, and another, and another, as you can just see these small lines rising up out of the horizon. Eventually, all of you veer and make your way up towards one of the hills that overlooks this region. Masika, you do your best to stop the ship, which is ungainly, because you have no profession sailor, but it does stop, and you have gotten everyone here alive, so no one can complain. But did you die? Yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> From here, you crest a rise. And ahead of you, you see a vast, vast stretch of desert covered in scores of lines. Even from here, the size of it is astounding. From one side to the other, it must be over four miles across maybe three or four miles in the other direction, deep trenches carved into the earth, complex markings, and what seem to be numerous obelisks, maybe a dozen, reaching up out of the desert and stabbing up towards the sky. This is gonna take a while. Oh yeah. An odd silence falls over as you stare down over this expanse. There is something undeniably ominous about this place. Masika hops out of the boat, waits for everybody else to disembark before folding it up. I suppose we should be on the lookout for our friend. Well, they said he would find us. Alright, so what were we supposed to do first? Masika starts digging through all of her notes for the first destination. I think approach respectably, probably. Yeah, but we should have some idea where one of the, which obelisk we're heading towards. I could do a flyby. No. No, we're not doing that. That could, could be viewed as hostile. I could fly a mile up into the sky and scout it out. No Earth guy's gonna detect me from there. He probably can throw rocks real far. <laughs> a mile into the sky. It's one of those things where it's like it's like it does the DBZ thing where he like phases in. It's like ah. <laughs> so seriously, what were we supposed to do first? I'm looking for it. I have it in the timeline too, but I thought Rick might have it pulled up for us. <clears throat> Excuse we me, Mister. Uh, Naju, I forget what the first part was. Tef. Tef Naju, uh, we'd love to talk to you, fella. He doesn't speak Osiriani. Well, I don't see you trying to talk to him. Well, I'm trying to figure out which direction we need to head first. We're not even in the trenches yet. He's not going to let us even get there. 
You guys are still about two miles away from the trenches. Plus, we don't know if we are even close enough to draw his attention. Yeah, let's see. I have there are 11 monuments that must be activated to use the elemental powers. Yeah, it has to be done in a certain order. Uh, Horus, Ta, Isis, Ra, Kepri, Osiris, Sobek, Ma'at, Sekhmet, Toth, and, or Thoth. Is it Toth or Thoth? Toth. I've always said Toth. And Set. But we can't even so see So we the have place. to first activate the Kepsutanum, activate the Sacro Fears using holy water between dawn and noon, and then we have to get the sun disk key and activate the sun disk. Isn't the holy water on the pillar, so don't we have to activate the Kepsutanum first? Yes, that's the first step, is activate the Kepsutanum. Yes, but where was that? The exact wording from Chisisek, uh, yes. Basically everything that Rachel was just saying there. Um, you need to focus the elemental energies of the Kepsutanum Sekrafirs on the aromatic infendiblum uh, within Hagotep's pyramid. To do such, you need to use the 11 great monuments. These monuments are the Sekrafirs, so basically each one of those obelisks that you see are one of the Sekrafirs. To activate the Sekrafirs, however, you have to awaken them from slumbering, which means that you need to go within the Tekraminet uh, and awaken it. So you have to seek out the chamber of the Sekrafirs within a second complex on the eastern reaches of the trenches. Yes, I also have that. <laughs> so we're looking for that building first because we have to activate the pillars before we activate them all between noon we enter and... enter from the yes. north. Yes, so in yes. the Terra Minute, north entrance that actually faces east, and then you go west, south, east, north, east. Yep. North right. entrance that actually faces east. I think we wrote that down because the maps are weird. Oh, okay, because I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, they were actually supposed to go in the north entrance. All right, it's the so north we... entrance, yeah. So but... essentially we get off our boat, and then we go south, because that should take us through the north entrance, right? And uh, you're approaching too... it from the east right now. I mean, we could always walk around it. From here, anyone that wishes to, that has a you know, pen and paper, a book that you can write down in, anything else, would easily be able to scribble down a general map. Well, Citra will do that. I also have a map or a writing device. Which would allow you to see the map oh, that neat. I just provided. Dang, this place is big. Well, there's 11 obelisks and like two tombs we have to go through. What are all these circles that are like flanking this? Like this is some kind of tower defense game. I'm assuming the gray things are the pyramid or are the obelisks. Yeah, those are the obelisks, but there's a bunch of other yeah. circle things. We would circle around because we need to go in from the north. So... I guess we're gonna circle wide around. Oh, it's north, but it faces east, I see. Oh, no, you're right, I see exactly what it means. So it is the northernmost entrance, but it does face east. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So for your edifications, the slave trenches, even from where you are, they are an incredibly impressive sight. Uh, from the air, they'd probably be even more impressive, uh, as all of you are aware that they measure nearly 17 square miles in area. Uh, the trenches uh, here seem to be fairly wide, uh, oftentimes ranging in overall width, but maintaining a width usually of 200 feet. Uh, oftentimes, Dang. each one of these trenches are about 50 feet deep, although sometimes they go deeper than that. Wow. When viewed from above, all of you are already aware of this. I can't remember from when. I think this was a research thing that we did, like, back mm -hmm. in Tefu. I believe so. When viewed from above, anyone reading Ancient Osiriani can determine that the central hieroglyphs of the trench form... Uh, from the labyrinthine paths formed by the surrounding trenches read in a large hieroglyph that can be translated as the sun and sky are bound to the stones below. However, if read east to west, which would be the traditional translation, it instead states, let earth call down and bind the sky. Cool. Uh, it's obviously a sign that is actually intended to be read from the sky. It's a warning to the Shori. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. I'm going to F you up, is what Hakatep was trying to say. Yeah. So from the map that you can see here, just quick edification for all of you. So what are these dots? Every single portion of the trench are lined with smaller obelisks. Mm. There are hundreds of them in Good total. gravy. Uh, each one of these obelisks vary in size, uh, although many of them stretch up to a height of approximately 50 feet. Um, each one of the larger ob- obelisks, which are the sacrifiers, uh, stand at a height of 100 feet. Each one of those obelisks are made of black basalt, which you can easily tell even from this range. Well, all right. And I guess we'll circle around wide to the north and enter through the correct entrance. Very well. If pertinent for all of you, by the way, your measuring tool is accurate to distance. So, cool. like, if any of you ever want to use your measuring tool, it will tell you how many feet they're it is so far you. apart. Uh, they're so far apart. We yep. have like. Eight hours to activate them all. I know. We're gonna have to be hustling. I was gonna say magic will save us. Oh my gosh! So each of these is like a mile or more between each other. Our characters are fit. I can walk two. I can walk two miles in forty minutes. Well, they're not straight lines though. If you're walking, they're (laughs) yeah. No, they won't be. So it's gonna be multiple miles per. Plus, we then have to climb up fifty feet of trench. You also have to activate them in a certain order, and you also have to do it within 12 hours. Yep. Okay, so we put... <laughs> it's going to be a long we day. We spread out, and then I just prepare a lot of teleports. Yeah. <laughs> Let me closely study all of these obelisks and find out what's... Because none of them are close just, enough for Dimension Door. I'm just oh, imagining well, no. an Ocarina of Time. You know, you have to go through the little uh, trenchy maze thing before you get to the Sacred Forest thing. But then when you're done, you can just hop over the top. But you can't even do that here because it's so wide. It's magic. This is what magic is for. Remember, we're dealing Spoken with Spoken like a true y'all. wizard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I well, suppose. I imagine they were expecting like a, like a large group of the army to be here, so they'd have people at each obelisk. Yeah, and... they probably use like mirrors yeah. to like yeah. signal yeah, them and stuff. Too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you descend down, make your way closer, begin to approach towards the trench. The sheer scope of this amazes. Again, as far as architecturally speaking, as far as Masika and probably Citra are concerned, the architectural marvel of this place is phenomenal. As far as Sudi is concerned, for any sort of gravesite, although you're not even sure if anyone's actually buried here, although quite feasibly they are. I mean, this is a ridiculous amount of engineering just to make all of this. Chisisek was awesome. If anyone is buried here, then this is some sort of magnificent tomb. For Ahalis, the fact is is that this is, in essence, the world's greatest sigil. Mm-hmm. It's like a symbol of death, but on a godlike scale. I'm writing all the notes down. Crazy. As you begin to descend, make your way approaching towards it. As they are trenches and you're down on ground level, once you begin to approach closer to them, they disappear. And instead, you just see ahead of you a forest of obelisks. Obeli? I'm going to go with obelisks. Obelisks. Yeah. As you begin to approach the northern portion of this skirting wide, you pass by the first of the various larger obelisks. Can we tell who's it to? If you want, you can divert, make your way over to it. Not without talking to the guy first. Yeah, yeah let's just go to the toward the mm. entrance. I was just saying, since it's so tall, maybe it has like the deity's holy symbol carved on the top or something, and we could tell what it was. That would make it too easy. Oh yeah, but even skirting around it, you're still half a oh. mile away. Yeah, you have to keep in mind the scale of this place. I was gonna say even, and it's a hundred feet tall. I don't know how wide. You know, yeah. 
Well, it, again, it takes you about an hour to walk from where you were to the northern entrance to the the trenches. As you begin to approach closer, however, Masika, there's a hum. It's barely audible at first, but as you get steadily closer and closer, it becomes more prevalent. Never to the point that it's, mechanically speaking, never to the point that it's giving you a perception penalty, but never to the point that you can quite make it out, but there's just this soft droning that feels like it settles in inside of your teeth. Like from the, like the same kind of feeling that we were near the engine room in the pyramid or? No, it's different. It's not a thrumming. Hmm. There's just something about this place that there's that barely audible sound. There's an odd unease as you begin to approach towards the entrance of this place. It's letting off that frequency that makes people like pass out and puke. (laughs) At least it's not the brown note. It becomes more and more notable as you begin to, in essence, once you're about halfway to the entrance, once you're passing by the northeastern portion of the trench and passing in closer proximity proximity to the obeli, obelisks, it becomes more noticeable. Do you guys hear, feel that humming? Hmm? No. Uh, no, I don't hear or feel anything. I mean, there's wind. I've never felt anything in my life. Oh. Narmer. Except love. I mean, yes. Feelings, feelings. Are, are we talking about a metaphorical or a literal? I don't know. Kind of both. Oh, okay. It's like ominous, but this weird humming. It's, I don't know. Maybe one of my time in Beltraluche. I wonder if it has something to do with your connection to Chisisek. Maybe. Or your baubles. <laughs> Narmer, Narmer, your barbels picking up anything? He like sticks them out, adjusts them like, you know, like bunny ears that you'd have on a TV set. <laughs> no, nah, I got nothing. Just rerun I Love Lucy. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to detect magic just on the off chance. Oh, you're about to get blinded. <laughs> Detecting magic? There's a faint aura of magic. Since you can't find its source, there's no means by which to determine what it is or does. There's just a prevailing magic. It's some sort of magic. All right, Moppy, what keeps this place standing out here in the middle of nowhere? Uh, well, I'll just... I'll try again when we get closer to the trench. You can't but normally I, feel magic like that, right? Depends on the magic. Man, no, not really. I mean, not unless somebody's directly casting a spell at me. That's weird. It is weird. Masika wiggles her barbels. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's the whole reason she's bringing it up. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's keep going. You got real sassy today, Citra. <laughs> she's I had can. a hard six days of getting a feast every single night. <laughs> she got tummy ache. After some two hours of walking, you arrive at the stairs. Well, stairs might even not necessarily be an accurate term. There's a ramp in the center flanked by two sets of stairs. Although, if these were stairs, they were not stairs made for man. Oh. As each one of these drops down three or four feet. I'll say we take the ramp. Is the thrumming about the same? Uh, It's getting louder the closer you're getting. I'll try to detect magic again now that we're right on the source of the... Oh, we're at least at the precipice of it. You can tell that there's a more potent form of magic here, but it's... It's strange because it almost feels like you can tell that it's coming from 
the trenches, but you can't tell where in the trenches it's coming from. And there's oh. a deep part of you, Masika. The only way that you can think to describe it is there's a part of you that screams out about the wrongness of this. Imagine it. Imagine it if Masika had ever seen a horror movie. And I'd seen someone go, oh, I heard something downstairs, and then stands at the top of the stairs, staring down into the darkness at the bottom of the stairs. And they go, like a moron. And you're like, stop it. It it must have just been my imagination. (laughs) It's that sensation like you're looking into the dark and you know that there's something there. But it's weird that Masika's the only one that notices it. I don't like this place. Hey, you should call out to our friend and see if we can talk to him. Oh, yeah. Um, Masika will call out hello in Aquin. You just kind of stand here. No. It's the strange thing where the sound is consumed in the air around you and dissipates, but it oddly echoes down into the trenches ahead of you. They said he would contact us if we got close enough. He's not responding yet. Let's just keep going and nobody draw any weapons. And But if we're in, will we not be trespassing? I don't know. Is it possible we move too fast for him to catch up to us? I mean, we did come in on the magic boat. I don't know. I don't think the boat has anything to do with him finding us, though. It seems he seems to be able to move magically. I I think we're also like kind of making assumptions, like he's omniscient or something. But I mean, we haven't even so much as stepped foot in there or touched anything yet. Yeah, let's just head in. Mm. But if he counts that as trespassing. We're going to be in trouble. Then he might kill us all. Well. All right. So it's what? Left, right, left, something? I thought it was left, 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 something? So, north entrance that actually faces east. Then we want to go west, south, east, north, east. Wait. All right. Okay. So we want to go here. North. But west is this way, isn't it? Yeah. West. West, south. West. West, so south. we go. Oh, unless this west, is west, west, east. south. Uh, I'm assuming we're in starting the corner. from this point right here. East, north, east. Jordan's right, I think. Boom, no, baby. Because no, west I think is right this here, way. So I think it's no, like the entrance. When you walk from the entrance to this turn, it's west. Oh, okay. So west. Okay. Yep. So west, south, south east, uh-huh. north, east. So yeah, it's yeah, gotta be here. Yeah, that's that. Okay. Boom. All right. I can navigate. I guess we head in. Like I said, no weapons drawn. Nobody do anything threatening. I am going to cast Overland Flight on myself. Oh, he's like, you need need to get that communal so we can all have some of that because that would make this so much easier. (laughs) If I was an alchemist, I could give it to you to drink. Yeah, we use a lot of spell, a lot of spell slots. Mm. We just gotta get high enough that you have the communal version of that, and then this would be so. There isn't one. Oh, boo! That's like a fifth level spell. You set out to send down. Masika sweeping the air with detect magic, as you said. You can tell that the magic is more potent now. Um, you can go ahead and make me an arcana if you so wish. I don't have knowledge arcana. You can oh. tell the magic is more potent now. Well, if you poke a uh, hollish. But you can't you can... identify it to actually identify a school or anything like that. If you poke me, I'll, I'll detect magic. I mean, there's magic everywhere. Y'all still can't feel that? It's like... So oppressive. Hollis detects magic too. I don't feel nothing. Sudi like adjusts his headdress. No, <laughs> Can I Hollis don't feel see anything. the magic? Detecting magic? Yeah, there's magic here. Huh. 
You can make a spellcraft, or sorry, you may make a knowledge arcana if you so wish, because you can't identify its source ladies. right now. <laughs> specifically for fish ladies. They, the one weakness <laughs> of the slave trenches we have found. Uh, I roll a 10 for a 33. It's a 33. It is odd, as I suppose you descend down, glancing up, narrowing your eyes. T taking off your cap as you pass into the shadows down here to kind of look up towards the magic above you. There is a perme permeating aura of near overwhelming magic here. Mm. Although it doesn't seem to be overwhelming as so much from a, a single point. You can't pinpoint a direction. It's almost as if, for lack of an easier term, it's almost as if you were underneath water, looking up to the water surface during a rainstorm that there are so many droplets of water hitting the surface at once that you can't pinpoint a single source. Just this overlapping, radiating magic. Overlapping, radiating enchantment. Oh. This overwhelming enchantment, this mind-affecting compulsion that radiates through this place. I watch right. this place have a guards and wards type effect on us so we can't navigate. All right, so this is weird. It's like... It's like a mishmash of magical effects that all coalesce together, but it's, you know, I mean, it's enchantment. It's messing with your head, so if it's making you feel a certain way, then, I mean, that's what it would be designed to do, but it's weird that it's not affecting us. Or is it only affecting, affecting us and we just don't know it? Mm, maybe? Uh, do you no, feel anxious? I... Yep. If I start to do anything weird, hit me. If I'm weird. One more time. We start going the direction we're not supposed to be going because you know the direction we need to be going. Like when that pyramid, or Sphinx. In the sightless Sphinx. Yeah, but you guys never go to direction I think you're going to go. But you know the direction we're going at this point. It's west, then south, then east, then it's north. It's going to be then west east. and south and east and everything else until like something pops up that ties into like, you know, Shooty's family history or Hollis's <laughs> ancient apartment buddy. And then we're going to, like, veer <laughs> off course to go someplace else. If we're going off course on purpose, we'll say cucumber. If we don't say cucumber, it's not on purpose, and therefore you should hit Masika. Okay. What's a cucumber? What the heck is a cucumber? It's a fruit. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Or is it a vegetable? I it's a vegetable. It. it seems like a fruit. It's you very much a vegetable. Ahead into the into the trench itself. Descend down, follow the steps, and begin to making your way forward. This place is disturbing on many levels. The walls here are covered every once in a while with hieroglyphs and markings, denoting sometimes words of power, sometimes names, sometimes prayers. Every once in a while as you're walking along, you can just feel this crunch crunch of this white dust under your feet. Oh, oh. no. Oh. As you make your way along what seems to just be Sometimes sand, sometimes this ground-up white powder. I mean, they are slave trenches. I'm sure Mamiya. people would die here. Bone dust. It's totally bone dust. Unrelated, cucumber is a fruit botanically, but culinarily, it is a vegetable. Much like the tomato. Druid fact. Druid it fact. is literally a quarter mile to get to the first turn, at which point you veer to make your way south, traveling for another half mile before you reach an intersection going left and right, east and west. Overhead, you can see a looming basalt obelisk. Oh yeah, One of the sacrifiers staring down over you as you make oh, your way forward. Everyone take out their maps that they're making. Uh -huh. 
Uh, I mean, feasibly, if you want to, Hollis, you could actually, uh, since you do have overland flight, fly up the 50 feet to take a look at it. But oh, sure. I'll fly up there and look. Okay. It's a massive uh, monument. To who? Y'all, it's a monument. Big. Uh, if you wish to make a knowledge religion, as long as you do understand ancient Osiriani, you may attempt to decipher the prayers. I do, and I will take 10 for a 33. We sent the right person, y'all. High-level wizards. All the knowledges. With a 33, this sacrifice is dedicated to Isis. All right, we got Isis here. Everybody write Isis down on their maps. I write Isis down on my map, and then I float back down. You are also aware, just from looking these over, you can tell that Isis, uh, these prayers represent Isis's power to use magic to create great works. Hmm. You're not sure if there's an importance to this, because it seems to only be in dedication to that one aspect of her and nothing of the rest of her faith. Looks like they're picking like one aspect per deity to worship and this one's about making good stuff. Well, Masika gestures around yeah. to the giant yeah. trench we're in. Yeah. <laughs> Seems appropriate. All right, I guess let's keep going. We continue our, what is that? Another, 2,000 feet. Another, yeah, another 2,000 feet. So It's another half of a mile to make your way half to the mile. next turn, bypassing the first turn that makes its way south before reaching one that makes its way south and north. And we go north. Uh, turning north, you're only forced to walk for another eh, about 700 feet or so uh, before reaching another turn that makes its way off towards the east. And then we turn east. What are we looking for down here? It's the sh sh shenanigans activate Tech Reminet. There you Tech go. Minute. Okay. Which just a sec referred to as the Lantern Vault. Yes. We got a vault, y'all. You turn to make your way down here. Uh, it's taken you about an hour or so, so you're basically approaching. It's about one in the afternoon now. Okay. It also means that since Hollis cast her overland flight, it's been about an hour. Is there like a door here or what? Since it's supposed to be a vault. You turn and make your way down this path. The obelisks looming from overhead. Again, Masika, like now that you're down in the trenches, something about the walls closed in around you makes this humming sound worse. Masika does that thing where she picks up an armor and like hugs him to her chest like a stuffed animal. <laughs> the sound of bending metal. I'll go ahead and give uh, let me go ahead and give a intelligence roll to the party. Okay. I don't have a lot of that. Alright, Hollis gets a twelve for a nineteen. I roll a four for a four. Uh, Masika rolls an eight for a nine. Uh, Citra got a 14 for a 17. Hollis, as you're watching Masika hugging, hugging the ever-living crap out of Narmer, something occurs to you about what Chisisek said. That to construct this place, to create the power necessary to break the Shuri magic, to bring down all of this magical power, that it wasn't fueled by any one magical source, but by literal bound elementals. Oh. Oh. Oh, dang. Ah. You want to hear something real sad? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Oh my god, it's a stinger! Might explain your feeling. So you remember back when Shisasek was telling us about this place and how he powered it by binding a bunch of elementals? Oh. Yeah, you got you got an elemental situation happening. Uh, so perhaps it is them trying to warn other elementals not to come here because it is certain, uh, I don't know, imprisonment mm. or death or whatever, what have you. That's sad. Yeah. Oh, that would explain the enchantment. Yeah, they have to be bound here. And again, from what you can tell, it seems to be hundreds of binding magics overlapping one another. Wow. 
it's really kind of gross. Does that possibly mean that every single one of these smaller obelisks also has an elemental within it? That's what I was kind of thinking. Oh, I mean, it would explain the, how did you describe lot. it, radiating magics that seem mm-hmm. to be interwoven. I mean, the scope of this place is just insane. I think once we, you know, take care of this pyramid, maybe we just spend some time, like, freeing a bunch of elementals. If you think you're powerful enough to break Chisisek's magic. I don't know, maybe. And break it hundreds of times over. <laughs> he was just a guy. He wasn't a god, so it means his magic's breakable. I mean, we've passed almost 20 or more of these obelisks before we even reached this point. Isn't this place pretty much an artifact? Uh oh. Oh, so we're gonna have to kill them to use it. Yeah. You don't know if that means that you're gonna have to kill them to use it. But we're gonna have to hurt them a lot. But you also don't know what it's going to do to them to use it. I don't love that. I also share this. We we have to stop Hakatep. Unfortunately, it's a for the greater good situation. I know we think Chesasek's good, but I'm thinking Chesasek's maybe not good. I don't think we said he was good. He was just trying to do good things, but that doesn't necessarily mean his methods were good. That's fair. Okay, all right, because this is essentially some sort of mini localized genocide we're talking about. It's a slave trench. Which is probably where it actually gets its name, not from the slaves that were used to construct it. Oh, that also thousands of them were killed? Yeah. If If even that few... I'm real grumpy. I don't like nothing about this. I'm with you. This place is terrible. As you make your way forward towards the end of this path. Oh, maybe that's why he's trying to keep people away from here. Because he doesn't want all his friends to be killed or hurt. Actually, that would make a surprising amount of sense. I don't know. Ahead of you, you can see the the trench continues. Oddly, though, there's almost something further ahead. You noticed at the moment that you rounded the corner, but as the sun moves and casts the trench in further shadow, you see a single beam of light coming straight out of the end of this trench, like a spotlight, like a lighthouse beam streaming down the length of the trench straight towards you. Oh, lantern. A single rectangle of light cut into the base of the wall at the end of this trench. After walking just shy of half a mile, you begin to approach towards the end of this and see a single doorway sliced into the face of the cliff from which streams out light, Hmm. almost blindingly so as you close your eyes against it before looking back up to see what appears to be the entrance to a single corridor, brilliantly illuminated and above its entrance, a large symbol, hieroglyphs carved into it with the ancient Osirian word of Tekraminet, which roughly translates to Lantern Vault. And we'll pick it up here next time. Ba-da-da-da-da. Oh my god. I'm getting some anxiety over the fact we haven't run into our genie friend yet. Tefna Jew's gonna come out and be like, what the heck y'all doing in here? I feel like he's watching us. Uh, I always feel like. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.